When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. One of our favorite people, Dave Carger, entertainment guru, here to tell us about the upcoming movie season. First off, I'm good. How are you? I'm always so happy to see you. Me too. Great to see you. So we're supposedly back in theaters. I don't know. I know we're both kind of nodding our heads like, yeah, sort of. But it looks like the holiday movie season is kind of back. And holiday movie season seems to start earlier and earlier Every year. It's almost like it started at Labor Day and now we're counting down to Thanksgiving and then counting down to Christmas. So it's so true. What what is the state of the movie business? I think in general, it's very confusing. Um, Don't you I, think? Think, <laughs> I think the good news is that there's a lot of interesting movies around. Um, and just to preface, I have 10 movies that I'm going to be talking to you about today. 10 movies that I have seen that okay. are coming out between now and the end of the year. I'm not going to hype anything that I haven't seen. There are a lot of big movies that no one has really seen yet, like the new West Side Story, or there's a new, the, the last Daniel Craig, James Bond is coming out. I can't wait for that. There's a, a movie called The Tragedy of Macbeth with Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. That's supposed to be great, but those haven't really been seen yet. I have 10 movies that I have seen that I can talk about, but in general, I think what you're going to see this fall between now and the end of the year is a mix of some big movies that are in theaters and then a couple weeks later you can rent them at home kind of like last year although i think that's going to be less of the case i think a lot of these movies that i'm talking about are movies that are going to try to play in theaters mostly having said that a good four or five of the films that i'm going to tell you about today are movies that are going to play on netflix or hbo max so i think people who are still feeling skittish about going to a movie theater they're going to have a host of great options, Oscar quality movies. And for people who are feeling like they want to go back to a theater, I've gone back a couple of times. Um, you know, I've gone during the time of day where I knew it won't be too crowded and mm-hmm. it feels good to be back in a movie theater as long as you feel like you can do it safely. So I think it's just going to be a, a big mix, but it's, it's hard because there's no one central place where you can go to find out, like what's coming out now, what's coming out on at home. I mean, IMDb does a pretty good job, but it's it's so large and there's so many different places to see movies now that it's not always easy to know what's coming out when and where. And so many of the movies that are coming out have been sort of put on ice or put on hold through the pandemic because they really are theatrical, in quotes, movies that were made to be seen on a huge screen. Yeah, and one of them, um, I think one of the big examples of what you're talking about is the movie Dune, 
yes. uh, with Timothy Chalamet and uh, Rebecca Ferguson. I actually got a chance to see that. I think for people who are really into the kind of sci-fi spectacles of it all, they're really going to like the movie. It's not, it wasn't really my cup of tea just because I don't really find myself interested in sci-fi movies where it's a whole separate world. If it's a sci-fi movie that takes place on earth, I find myself more interested, but once you have like different planet names and different race names, I, I, I kind of tune out. But so that I, one, have, I, was say, I have friends who are freaking out to see Dune. Well, and most, a lot of people really like it. So you should take what I say with the, with the grain of salt. And I think if, I think it's the kind of movie where the more excited you are about it, the more you'll probably like it. I, I've had to say I was pretty bored. What? That is not your cup of tea. Exactly. I mean, you should see me. I'm like, I watch every Star Wars trailer on YouTube or, you know, so I get that kind of obsessive thing. Yes. Now everyone knows I'm like, I can like literally recite Star Wars. Really? Yeah. I'm I know you look so puzzled. Well, no, I'm just, I guess I wouldn't have thought that about, about oh, yeah. you. But, major okay. cult, major touchstone of my childhood. Are you a nerd? I've always been a nerd. <laughs> and I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, but that's one. I mean, I can tell you, I remember the moment in, and what theater I was at when I saw the original Star Wars. And I think wow. I was like eight years old. Like, I remember the thing coming over my head. Like, you know, it sends me back. Anyway. Okay, great. So Dune is coming. And that is one of the big, important, important releases. Absolutely. I, I would say it is. And then for people who want to see something that's out now, if any of your listeners are like, I don't want to wait for these movies. I want something now. I would recommend The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which just came out uh, last week. Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield playing Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. It's a very kind of standard biopic type film. It doesn't, you know, do anything brand new with the genre, but the reason to see it is Jessica Chastain. She is ridiculously good. I mean, it's, now is, is that on a streamer as well as theater? No. So, so we that, can only go to the, now is that going to affect her award chances? I don't think so. I, I think the Oscar voters um, and Screen Actors Guild voters and all of those, the Critics' Choice, all those people, they're they see the movies because it's not it's not about the general public seeing the movie as far as awards are concerned. And Searchlight, the movie company, is going to make sure that everybody sees it, whether it's in a screening room or at home, or you know, they'll they'll make sure people see it. I definitely think Jessica Chastain will get an Oscar nomination for this. It would be her third. Uh, she's just, she's just uncanny. You, it's the cliche of all cliches to say this, but you forget you're watching Jessica Chastain. It's, it, it, it blew me away. So that's one that I, I would recommend that's, that's out now. And then one that's opening this week is Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. The film version of, of course, the Tony winning Broadway musical. I was very excited for this. You know, of course, this one got a little bit of stink online when the trailer came out because some people were distracted by Ben Platt at age 27 playing, you know, high school student Evan Hansen. And when I went in to see the movie, I was worried about that. Um, but I have to say it didn't bother me at all. I, I, I thought he did a really, really great job. And I had seen the musical. I had seen him in the musical twice on Broadway because I loved it that much. So it had, it had a lot to live up to. And no one else um, 
from the Broadway show is is in the movie. They stacked it with you know Julianne Moore and Amanda Stenberg and Amy Adams and all of these like big stars to to play it with him. And I don't think it's gonna be for everybody, but I I thought it was really sweet. It was like a solid B for me. But having seen the play, plays often don't become good movies. We've seen that happen a lot. It's very Ass. hard to to transfer. Where I think Hamilton was so smart that they just filmed the play and put it out. You know, and they probably could have done that. They probably could have done that with Dear Evan Hansen too. They probably, if they wanted to, they could have just filmed the stage production because Ben Platt was so incredible on stage. And I mean, if ever, anyone saw him on stage by the end, he was like a blubbering, snotty mess because of just the emotional journey that he went through. It's a little bit tempered for the film because that wouldn't, I mean, there was literally like bodily fluids coming out of his face when you saw him on Broadway. That wouldn't work for the movie. They got a guy named Stephen Chbosky to um, direct the film. He did the movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So he's really, and he also wrote that book. So he's really good at, you know, this type of kind of teen uh, emotional movie. Yeah. So right. I, so, so was, a solid B from you. Absolutely. A walk, a walk, don't run. Yes. I, I would say if you're really curious about it and if you like the musical, you should you should see it. They, they added two new songs, which were not my favorite songs um, in the movie, but they did add two new songs for, for the movie. So that's that's that one. Another one I want to tell you about. This one is a little bit under the radar, but I liked it so much. I just want you and your listeners to know about it just real quick. It's a movie called Mass, M-A-S-S. Um, it actually played the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. It's coming out in early October in theaters, although I'm, I bet you'll be able to rent it pretty soon after. And it's a really interesting uh, film, just four people in it. And it's about two married couples. I'm going to be a little cagey about how I describe it. Two married couples who are uh, linked together by a tragedy that happened involving members of each of their families. And these two couples who don't like each other because of what happened, have agreed to meet in a church room. That's why it's called mass, I think, because it's in like a Catholic church. And it's all about what happens when these two couples who have gone through this horrible thing um, decide to meet each other. And the two moms are Martha Plimpton. Wow. Who gives a performance of a lifetime. And then Anne Dowd. Do you watch The Handmaid's Tale? Yes. Lydia? She is, I mean, those are two phenomenal actresses. And we haven't heard from Martha Plimpton in a while. Let me tell you, she is incredible. Um, yes. So I, I would really, really recommend, for people who want like a real intimate indie movie that has a lot to talk about and think about, Mass, uh, really, really terrific. That's Do you think that's out. one of the ones that might jump up by getting a nomination that suddenly everybody's going to be saying, we have to go see Mass? Yeah, I think Martha Plimpton is the is the best shot at a nomination for that movie. It just depends on whether it's able to kind of break through all the noise of the kind of higher profile movies, some of which I'm going to be telling you about now. Um, but it's one, it's like a gem that I that I hope people uh, find. Yeah, where else should we be spending our money? Okay, there's another movie that maybe you've seen the trailer for. It's coming out at the end of October. It's called Last Night in Soho. And yes. it's directed by Edgar Wright, this great British filmmaker who did Baby Driver and Shaun of the Dead and The World's End. He's just really good at doing cool visual things. And it's this really 
fascinating movie that kind of shifts as far as the genre is concerned. It's about this young girl played by Thomasin McKenzie, who's the girl who was in Jojo Rabbit. She was the girl who was hiding in the, the attic in Jojo Rabbit. And she's this young fashion student who moves from Cornwall, England to London. She's obsessed with the 1960s and all of the music of the 1960s, like Scylla Black and Dusty Springfield and all that. And she dreams of kind of living in that 1960s London world. Well, she gets to magically uh, live in that world. And she meets this kind of this other fabulous woman who's actually living in London in the 60s. And she's played by Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. So it's this dual uh, lead performance by the two of them. And it, it takes her down this shadowy road and it, it turns. And if you watch the trailer, you get the sense of how the movie turns, but it's just a visual feast. Um, it's a really fascinating movie. It goes places that you do not expect, but that's one, like you were saying at the top that you wanna see like in a big theater because it's, it's surprising and it has such cool camera work and scenery that I, I think that's one that would be worth going to a theater for. That's called Last Night in Soho. That's coming out right before Halloween. And Anna Taylor-Joy could not be any hotter right now. I mean, it's crazy. And this is a movie that, as you were alluding to, was shot a while ago. I think it was supposed to come out last year. And, and it got held. It good, it's it so good held. they held it. Because now Anna Taylor-Joy, everyone knows who she is. Thanks to, right. thanks to Queen's Gambit. Okay, so that's that. Now I want to talk about a bunch of movies that are coming out in November. So you're going to have to wait a little bit, but it's going to be worth the wait. The but first that one, big that big Thanksgiving push. Oh, it, Totally. So this one I know you've heard about called Spencer, yes. where Kristen Stewart plays Princess Diana. This one I had a chance to see at the Telluride Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. It's really interesting. It's directed by Pablo Larraín, who did Jackie, where Natalie Portman played uh, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, or Jacqueline Kennedy at the time, of course. And uh, it definitely feels similar to that. It's like a really intimate portrait of this iconic woman Unlike Tammy Faye, which, as I said, was a very traditional biopic, this movie, Spencer, is only takes place over the one over one weekend. A, weekend a lot over. like a lot like Jackie, which just took place over the course of a few weeks. Exactly right. Um, and I think this is a movie that's going to get a lot of people talking. Well, first of all, Kristen Stewart is phenomenal. And it's really just from moment one, when you see her and her first time she speaks, you're like, whoa. I mean, Emma Corrin playing Princess Diana in The Crown, that's a tough act to follow because she, yeah. I think, did a really great job too. But Kristen Stewart does a, a really terrific job. What I'm curious to see is because this movie takes place over one weekend where Princess Diana was going through a very rough patch, and it's very soon before the split, uh, the marital split between her and Prince Charles, it, she doesn't come off as kind of angelic and lovable as the media usually portrays right. Princess Diana. It, well, she was, she was, you know, lover or hater or lover or hate the royal family. She, we now know, or we knew even then, was just as complicit in the breakdown of the marriage. Exactly. So I'm just curious to see how the world at large perceives this movie once they see that it's not this glowing portrayal and that Kristen Stewart really portrays her as a complicated woman going through a very, very rough time. And the trailers I've seen, it visually looks phenomenal. Yes, it does. Yes, and and her, of course, the costumes are great. I mean, yeah. it's, it's what you want from that movie. So that's early November. 
Also early November is a movie that I think you'll be interested in maybe. I, I was fascinated by this. It's a documentary called Julia and it's about Julia Child. And, you know, so many people, of course, really only know anything about her because of watching Meryl Streep play her in Julie and Julia. Julia um, Child. Right. <laughs> but this movie, this documentary is directed by the same two women directors who did the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary a couple of years ago. And it, as a great documentary should, it tells her life story and how she became a TV star in her 50s. Uh, and then, you know, lasted for decades, but it also puts her in really interesting context in our relationship to food, our relationship to international travel as a country, um, viewpoints towards women and, and what their roles and, and duties were and should be. It was just fascinating. So that, you know, sometimes the, these documentaries like the Mr. Rogers one a couple of years ago are able to take off. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily with this, but I do think it's it's a documentary that is well worth seeing, whether you're a foodie, it'll make you very hungry. There's a lot of really great food scenes or or not, but um, that's also coming out in, in early November. Okay, the next one that I want to tell you about is probably my favorite of all the movies that I'm going to be talking about. Okay, I'm getting about. my pen ready. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's gotten some uh, attention lately because it just won the main prize at the Toronto Film Festival, which is the Audience Award. That's the only main award that they have at the Toronto Film Festival. It's called Belfast. And it's a black and white movie written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Real, um, well, he lo- by the way, he loves his black and white. <laughs> this is that is not a big shocker that Kenneth Branagh worked in black and white. I know, but what's interesting about this is that even though he wrote and directed it, he's not in it. And it takes place in 1969, and it's the story of something that happened to him when he was a nine year old boy living in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and there was all this violence going on in the late 60s. Um, and it's his remembrance of how the events of the time affected him and his family. So it, it's a movie that played at the Telluride Film Festival and was well-received there. And then it went to the Toronto Film Festival. And as I said, it won the Audience Award, which by the way, last year, Nomadland won. And 12 out of the last 13 years, um, the movie that won the Audience Award got a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. And five out of those times, it won the Oscar. Well, and Kenneth Branagh is an Oscar darling. He definitely and he is. Hasn't, a- and he hasn't done anything in a while. And they love, it could be the year of the big welcome backs between him and Martha Plimpton. It, which would be great. Now, there are already some people, I love the movie. There are already some people that don't love it. They think it's a little soft and, you know, a little homogenous. And so I think I'm expecting something similar to happen this year that happened a couple of years ago with Green Book which also uh-huh. won that Toronto Film Festival audience award before going on to win the Oscar for Best Picture, but not everyone loved it. A lot of the highbrow critics thought it was too safe, too soft. I think something similar is going to happen maybe this year with Belfast, but I think it's just a crowd pleaser that, that people will like. Um, another movie that's been doing the film festival circuit that's done extremely well is King Richard. Have you heard of this I movie? Was about, I was going to say, if you didn't bring up King Richard, I was going to. The new Will Smith movie about Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus. We just was talking about, we were just talking about that movie at lunch yesterday, actually. 
Oh my God. Well, that's coming out right before Thanksgiving. And that's one of the ones that's going to be in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time on November 19th. It's great. Um, And it's, it's such an interesting story. Even if you're a tennis fan and you feel like you know about Venus and Serena Williams, you don't know. There's so much about their family and this kind of vision that their dad, Richard, had for them um, and made it happen. And what I liked about it, when I went into the movie, I thought, okay, so here's a movie about, you know, five Williams sisters and the mom and how impressive they all are, but the movie is called King Richard. Like, is this, is this just the guy's story? That's a little problematic, but it's not. Even though it's called King Richard, it really also focuses on of course, Venus and Serena, and also the mom who's played by a wonderful actress named Anjanou Ellis, who just got an Emmy nomination this year for Lovecraft Country, but she didn't yes. win. But she's terrific. But it was just a really fascinating movie and like Belfast, a total crowd pleaser. And it's, it's a movie that'll play great if you watch it at home, but it'll play great if you watch it in a in a theater too. And Will Smith will get an Oscar nomination for it. Well, I was gonna say, this is, it sounds like we're setting up for a trend of the, the welcome back years a lot of people we haven't seen in a while um but are they honest of do they do they show richard williams warts and all yes because being a tennis fan and having friends who are big tennis insiders not the most likable guy and you have someone as likable as will smith playing him yes so i would say on a scale of one to ten if ten is super likable and one is not i would say he comes off like a seven Really? So yeah, they, they definitely present some aspects of the way he went about things and the way he interacted with people that are not so great, but you're right. I mean, Will Smith does have this natural charm um, and the movie presents him as a very impressive person. Of course, there are mentions of the fact that he had other kids outside of the, the Are there mentions so- that he was banned from tournaments? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you definitely get the sense that he rubbed some people the wrong way, let's Got say. Got it. But uh, it, he, but Will Smith does a great job. So excited to see that. Okay, so I have two more to tell you about. And these last two are both Netflix movies that are coming out in December. So you do and have And are they to coming wait. out in theaters also? Because that's part of the Netflix sort of new dynamic as they also want to be in the big theatrical spaces. So yeah, so what I'm what I'm realizing is that's what Netflix is doing for a handful of their movies. So the ones that they really want to give that extra push to, like when they had The Irishman a couple right. of years ago, that played in theaters, I think for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. it came out on Netflix, or I think Roma, which was a big Oscar movie a couple same years ago, thing, I think yeah. same thing. So they don't do it for every movie, but they do it for some. Um, so the first one I want to tell you about is called The Power of the Dog. And this was, I would say, of all the movies that played at the Telluride Film Festival over Labor Day, this was the one that got the most kind of widespread acclaim. It's directed by Jane Campion, who's the- she, Again, uh, someone we have not seen in a back. long time. And she did the piano with Holly right. Hunter and Harvey Cartel. Which she won for. She didn't win, but she, she was- win, no, she, Right. She might have won screenplay. I think she won screenplay, but, but not, it was Right, but not-, not Right. But not director. So this movie, I'm also not going to tell you too much about um, because it's the kind of movie that I've actually already noticed that has been a little bit spoiled online. But it's got an amazing cast, Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. And it takes place um, 
in the 1920s in Montana. It's kind of like a Western ranch story. All I'll tell you is that Kirsten Dunst uh, is newly married to Jesse Plemons, who's her real life guy. Um, And then her new brother-in-law, because of this new marriage, is Benedict Cumberbatch, who is this very abrasive uh, but brilliant rancher. And it's all about how the kind of blending of this family as they are all now living together on this ranch um, creates all sorts of uh, interpersonal issues and problems. The movie goes way deeper than that. Um, if It's based on a book. And if anyone knows the book, they, they'll have an idea of what I'm talking about. But um, it's I'm telling everybody I know, A, see this movie as soon as you can, because it's going to get a ton of Oscar nominations. But B, try to read nothing about it. Because I've even seen on Twitter like headlines that give away the big twist of, of the movie. And it's, it's, um, it's very disappointing because I, I would be, I'd be really bummed out if I knew in advance what I didn't know when I went to see the movie. Um, but it's- Yeah, cause me. then you like see it coming down the tracks at you. Exactly right, exactly right. So that's early December. And then the last movie I wanna tell you about, also Netflix, late December is a fascinating movie called The Lost Daughter. And this is the first movie that has ever been directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I just love so much as an actress. And um, it's based on a novel by Elena Ferrante. And it's about this woman played by Olivia Colman, who I also love from The Crown. She's this very smart kind of lonely woman professor. And she takes a solo vacation to a Greek island and she meets this large extended family that's also on vacation there. And a lot of really fascinating and bizarre stuff starts happening. The movie is told, a lot of it is in that that day, that vacation time. And then it also flashes back to Olivia Coleman's character played by another actress, Jessie Buckley, who was in Judy with Renee Zellweger. So- <laughs> um, flashes back to her when she was newly married herself. It's it's very complex. Um, it's like a psychological thriller. And, Am I going to need to take notes to keep up? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> nope, not at all. But I, it, it kind of heralds Maggie Gyllenhaal as this new, really, really interesting filmmaker to watch. So for me personally, I loved the first hour of the movie. I didn't love the second hour as much, but I will now... If I ever hear that Maggie Gyllenhaal has, has written or directed a movie, I'm in because she just has a really interesting style and um, interesting flair for, for drama that I'm curious to see what she does next. Any big blockbusters coming out that we should know about that maybe aren't so, so heady? Yeah, I know. That, that was a pretty serious list, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think West Side Story is going to be one that a lot of people are are really, really interested in because it's Steven Spielberg taking on this you know classic uh, Oscar-winning musical. So that's one. As I said to you at the, at the beginning, I just love Daniel Craig as James Bond, and I'm sad that he's done. Um, but it sounds like this last one that he has, which is No Time to Die, which was supposed to come out you know a year and a half ago, um, is finally coming out. I actually got to interview the whole cast of that movie pre-COVID. I mean, oh my Janu- God. January 2020, it seems so long ago. And I, I only got to see a few minutes of the movie, but it looked great. And there's a new character played by this phenomenal looking British actress named Lashana Lynch. And she's super charismatic and gorgeous. 
And it almost seemed like, I don't think this is really happening, but it almost seemed like they could have been, you know, lining her up to be like a new James Bond. It's, it's a female character in a Bond movie that definitely holds her own and is not just eye candy for the audience. Bond, right. Right, and Bond himself. And I, I know I'm springing this on you. What should be on our lists right now? Like if I had to watch something tonight. That's a great question. Well, I mean, if you if you want to go to a if you want to go to a movie theater, I would say The Eyes of Tammy Faye or Dear Evan Hansen. Those those okay. are the ones that are, you know, by the time this people are listening to this interview, I would say those are the ones. But then I'm also gonna throw out just because I was such a big fan of it from the summer. If any of your listeners have not seen In the Heights, the movie. Uh, which is on HBO Max, I just loved it. And I it really bummed me out that it didn't seem to do very well. No, it um, didn't. And it, and it's a shame because it's great. Did you watch it? No, I didn't, actually, because, again, I have personal issues with trying to see plays that I've seen then adapted as a musical. I mean, the perfect example was Jersey Boys. Yep. You know? Well, they, the director of In the Heights is John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. So, you know, which was amazing. He's, he's he can do sweeping shots, he can do energy, he can do colors, he can mm-hmm. do dancing. I would say, do not even do me a favor, do yourself a favor and give it a try. Okay. Because I think next time we talk, you might say, I'm so glad I, I did that. That that would be one that I would that I would tell you and other people to. Uh, Right, when he was like in college. Exactly right. But but other than that, I mean, when you ask me what should people watch now, it's kind of dire right now. I mean, I, I there's not much that's come out in the last month that I've gotten really excited about. Everything that I've gotten excited about is stuff that I've seen at these film festivals that is coming out in the next couple of if, weeks, but that's always how it is, right? I was going to say, that's kind of August, September, beginning of October are not good release, release dates because people are just getting back in their fall routine and there's never anything kind of exciting. They, it, it, they hold stuff or they bury stuff in those months. Well, think about it. And also this summer, what was the most exciting stuff entertainment wise? It was the White Lotus and, you know, all these great TV shows that, and Ted Lasso that people are now watching season two, um, there was just a lot more interesting stuff, I think, on TV this summer, but I think that's changing. I think the interesting stuff is now these movies that I've just told you about. Okay, last question. How different, now that the streamers are really jumping into the theatrical space, how different is the land, how different is the business? How different is the the dynamic i mean especially for filmmakers are they going to be thinking big screen small screen i mean how what's the trend well i think a couple of things i think the the days of the absolutely humongous massive box office weekends you know where a movie makes 150 million dollars on an opening weekend that those i don't know if those days are gone but they're not coming back anytime soon so that's going to be less of a story, you know, how, how these movies do financially. But to your point, what's going to be really interesting is seeing which filmmakers put their foot down and say, I don't want to make a movie for 
Netflix or Warner Brothers because I want it only in theater. So Christopher Nolan, for instance, who was right. not not happy that Tenet, you know, played on streaming, he's making his next movie for Universal. And I think the his argument is I'm making my movie for a studio that's going to put it in theaters first. But I also think that filmmakers need to kind of face the facts that the world has changed and not everybody wants to see a movie in a theater yet. And if even if you're going to make Dune and you're that filmmaker, Denis Villeneuve, you have to make a movie that works equally well on a big screen and on someone's TV. Otherwise, you might not be viable as a filmmaker. You, you have to kind of check off all of those boxes if you want to have a career these days. And I think some of the filmmakers are going to be a little bit more stubborn in mm -hmm. kind of coming to terms with that reality. Damn artists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dave, as always, thank you. And, you know, we now all have our lists. Great. It's so nice to see you. Let's do this again. Yeah.